we're doing our, our first year, our first, uh, first episode, ever pod. first ever pod, the polarity. We're going to be talking, um, a lot of politics, market, business shit. It's probably going to be a lot of politics though, if I'm being honest. Politics. Probably be a lot of politics, but you know, what can you do, Bob? So anyways, okay. We're going to, we want, we want to start it off with this, uh, Turning Point USA. Yeah. So <clears throat> Turning Point USA video, uh, saw it. <laughs> just thought it was absolutely outrageous um, and had to be addressed some of the things that she uh, said in this video so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and give it a run ski here okay let's get and, into uh, it let's jump right in how has inflation affected me how has it not affected me I every single thing that I want to get at the grocery store is sold out yeah. um, every single week I'm in the process of redoing my apartment I want to get lamps the first pair of lamps that i liked for my nightstands were not available till june i picked another set they were not available till july uh <laughs> everything is 10 times more expensive it cost me double the amount to fill up my gas tank every time i go to chipotle or chick-fil-a they're out of something they're out of bags or cups or straws or lids like normal basic things that we take for granted every single day that we use in our everyday lives you can't get or they're or they're running out of or they're unavailable so if you are still saying that your life is so much better under president biden than under president trump you are a liar you, you are a liar it has affected me in every single possible way epic video just epic right there <laughs> i mean I, I don't even know where you want to go with that we could we could go in a lot of different directions so <clears throat> i just thought uh i came across that on my feed out of the blue um and just to kind of set the table here neither of us are voted for joe biden neither of us would consider ourselves like joe biden supporters by no, any not, means. A, not at all not at all but uh it it should be stated that uh the the whole idea that joe biden is responsible for the inflation the supply chain disruptions all of that stuff is ridiculous. It's completely unrelated to his presidency. And I think, you know, it kind of begins with like a misunderstanding of what inflation even is, to be honest, you know, and like, and then she kind of jumps into like how gas and how gas prices are going through the roof and it's all Joe Biden's fault because he didn't build, you know, you always hear about the Keystone pipeline, which would honestly, it would produce less than, 8% of the gas or the oil used in the United States every day. Um, well, I, I, just to go off that, my, my thing about it was um, the whole uh, supply chain shortages and everything, I always attribute it to the whole uh, China trade war that Trump started at the end of his presidency because, I mean, we saw a lot of like the supply chain. Obviously, COVID was a big factor in a lot of the supply chain issues, which is completely out of anyone's control, especially Biden, who was even in office at the time. But I mean, I, as I've looked into it, I always tend to think like, well, maybe if we weren't in such like a tight and like intense trade war with China, maybe then we wouldn't have a lot of these supply chain shortages. I don't know how you feel about that well, with the trade war, but that's the, that's the funny thing about it, right? Is like the, the trade war with China. So so when tr Trump was president, he started 
instituting all these tariffs on Chinese goods coming into the United States. And what happened was he was inflating the price. So we have all these cheap goods. That's, you know, you got Walmart and Winco and Costco where you have all this cheap stuff, which by the way, if you're buying anything cheap, it's not made in the United States. And what he did was he, he instituted these tariffs that just increased the prices for consumers. Mm-hmm. And, but ultimately it never resulted in any manufacturing coming back to the United States because it was, <laughs> the goods were still cheaper to import with the tariffs than they would be to manufacture here in the U S. And so ultimately it never reflected in more jobs for Americans. All it did was create inflation. How much do you think of it? How much do you think the supply chain was more of like the trade war and it was more of, cause I, I think we can easily, I think anyone who watches or listens to this can agree Joe Biden has almost zero to do with any of the supply chain issues. I mean, you could make a good argument for, like, maybe oil prices and stuff, but um, the supply chain that we've been experiencing, I think, is completely out of control. So my question is, like, that I've thought about is how much of it was the trade war that Trump started and how much of it was just simply COVID? Yeah, and and that's that's tough, right? I would argue... The majority of the supply chain issues we're facing now are largely due to COVID. Um, still catching up. I mean, you got to realize people are missing more work with COVID, um, and they have been for the last year and a half. And then you figure a lot of these countries put all manufacture on the backbone, backburner, sorry, while they were recovering from from the pandemic so they're shutting down manufacturing plants and even if you do that for two weeks there's a lot of pent-up demand when you're talking about selling millions of goods across the world and that's been the biggest thing when it comes to to the supply chain i don't think there's really a you can't really blame a president um for any anything that happens on the supply chain and you could make the argument on inflation for the monetary on the monetary side with the federal reserve um well yeah the inflation thing i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong but i throughout like my studies of inflation and like the fed it seems to me like the only time that inflation is really bad is when we pump money into the system but the money isn't then used and like it's not circulating if that makes sense too much money chasing too few too few goods yeah exactly so I think the, the ironic part is people, you know, were begging for like the COVID, uh, the COVID stimulus checks. And what, what I found when I would like look into it is that, a lot, you know, those stimulus checks went to everybody. So not only just the people who needed it, but the people who were, had a lot of money. And so I think a lot of the money that went into the system <clears throat> was actually not used. So they pumped a lot of money that went to people who really didn't need it, like corporations and whatever. And those people just sat on it. And I think that's what caused, in my opinion, what caused a lot of the inflation was people would take the stimulus checks and they just sat on it. And of course, there's the people that needed the stimulus checks. And that's that's obviously a different story. They used those stimulus checks. But that's kind of what I, I feel like with the inflation. I don't know how you feel about it. but Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's why in 2020, the savings rate was higher than it's ever been. Or, sorry, it had been in a long time in a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Um, 
but that doesn't necessarily cause inflation. Um, a lot of people argue that the inflation was due to the printing of money by the United States. And what happened is we were printing all this money that was then borrowed by our treasury. And then we get all those stimulus checks. And mm-hmm. then, <clears throat> not only stimulus checks, but money going to, you know, uh, all of the the airlines, the hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. So everything that received some sort of stimulus was provided that stimulus on borrowed money from the federal reserve. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that is part of the function of the federal reserve. Um, <clears throat> and if you, you know, historically when things of that nature have happened, it's, it's ultimately led to inflation because you have, like I said, too much money chasing too few goods. Um, but, the arguments that I struggle with is to put pin the blame on the president, right? And I think this is a stretch for what what is this girl's what is this girl's name? Um at real Alex Clark. Yeah, Alex Clark. <laughs> I listen. And like I'm sorry for your lamps and your groceries that are too expensive. That you can't bag because there's no bags. Yeah, right. Or your expensive gasoline, like. Um, but, <laughs> needless to say, uh, it's not Joe Biden's fault. Um, Joe Biden, if 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 here's here's what's funny is like, okay, you want to solve the supply chain issue, you want to empty the ports out. Well, how do you do that? You hire more people to go work at the yeah, ports. Yeah, get more labor. They have labor shortages. Yeah, yeah. So you hire more. How do you hire more people to work at the ports? Well, you, you got to increase the wages. For you have sure. to increase the wages, and not only that, but you have to be willing. If the companies aren't willing to hire more people, then the government has to be willing to give them more money mm-hmm. to do that. So subsidize them. Yeah. But people of this with this thought process think that Democrats spend too much money. So it's yeah. like, what do you want? Do you want federal spending, mm-hmm. or do you want your supply chain fixed? Because you can't have yeah. both. You can't. It, that, there's you can't have one thing without the other, and I, I I've noticed that not on just with Republicans but Democrats, there are ramifications to every single decision that you make, <clears throat> and they all require money or they all require resources or however you look at it, you know. Well, yeah, and that's another thing. I mean, the podcast is called Polarity. I mean, you can there's kind of a play off that of like the system is very polar. Um, I think it's funny whenever. I, I'm talking like my political economy and political science, all my economics classes, how you you find out that conservatives, they're all about, you know, spending less money, right? Like, oh, we can't, we need to spend less money. And then they spend tons of money on like military and they're right. really open to spending money in that area. And then as soon as Democrats are in, they're like, oh, they're spending too much money. But going back to the businesses and labor, I actually thought that was, that was like one of the more interesting things that I was thinking about was, you know, when you go into restaurants now, you know, they always have a labor shortage. And so, like, it's kind of funny how, you know, there's those super hardcore conservatives who fight for, oh, the, the minimum wage needs to stay around 10, 15 bucks. And it's kind of funny now that the, these big, these big, like, Buffalo Wild Wings or all these big organizations don't have any labor. And so it's going to come down to, like, damn, do we need to increase our, our wages in order to get people to work. And it's kind of funny that that's kind of this weird paradox we're in where people aren't working because they're like, 
you're not giving us enough money, so we're just not going to work. And these, these, you know, big corporations are like, well, we don't want to give you a lot of money because, you know, we're greedy or whatever it is. And so it's this weird kind of, again, this like paradox where it's, we'll see what happens. Well, ultimately, it's not about the, the corporations being greedy. I mean, in economics, you know, <clears throat> you create a business to seek profit maximization. That's the ultimate goal mm-hmm. of a firm. Um, and so you're right in the sense that, yeah, increasing wage costs is putting them further away from profit maximization. Mm -hmm. So their goal is to pay as little as possible while still maintaining the labor. The problem is it takes, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. It takes time to adjust. Um, and ultimately that's been the toughest part about inflation, um, is the fact that it's all built on expectations. Mm. So what happens is if you're a firm and you saw last year you had to give everybody in your company, which I think last year the average wage in wage inflation was like 4% and some change. So at 4%, the problem was over the last year inflation was at 7.5%, so real wages actually declined. Mm-hmm. Uh, People actually lost purchasing power. Regardless, um, as the labor force believes inflation, so if the labor force is believing inflation is going to be four percent, that means that firms are anticipating having to give their workers four percent wage increases. Yeah, yeah. And what does that mean? Well, they're going to build that. They're going to pass that on to consumers. Mm-hmm. So at least yeah. increasing prices by 4%. Now you combine that with supply chain issues and increasing cost of goods from a global standpoint. Then you're looking at 7.5% inflation, inflation, which we've seen over the last year. I see. So, and, that, and that's where it's like, it, it's, it's really difficult because the, ultimately the Federal Reserve has to get people to trust them. And if people don't trust them, then they're going to expect inflation to be 4 or 5%. Because ultimately, the goal of the Federal Reserve is to keep inflation between 2 and 2.5%. Two and Historically, it's been between 2 and 3%. That's the ideal the inflation ideal, yeah, rate. Yeah. The moment you have consumers or the labor force expecting 4, 5, 6, 7% inflation. Mm-hmm. I was listening the other day to to a different podcast and they were interviewing some people on the street and they were saying like 10%, 12% inflation. Some of yeah, these people insane, have expected. And if you're expecting that and your employer comes to you with a 2% pay increase, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Well, you're probably going to start looking elsewhere. Yeah. And it's just cycles. So you multiply that on a scale of 340 million people that we have in the United States and mm-hmm. you get massive labor shortages and widespread inflation that makes sense what about like what about like the increasing like prices though like why do businesses keep increasing prices if they so if they assume you know okay so let's say hypothetically you know business is assuming a four percent increase yeah that means obviously reasonably they'd probably increase their prices like four percent right just to account for the, yeah. the loss yeah so then why is it like why do you see some areas increasing their their prices by more than 4%, 5%, 6%, 7%. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I think 
uh, part of that it goes back to the profit maximization topic I talked about and input costs, right? Like yeah. your input costs are going up because it's not just labor. So like, yeah, wages might've gone up 4%, but if your cost of goods went up 10%, mm-hmm. you still got to account for that. Um, and unfortunately consumers bear all of that usually. So there's like a, you have to find like, there's obviously a market equilibrium. Yeah. Yeah. So if you would assume if wages increase 4% and you increase prices 4%, Consumers will be willing to pay. Yeah, it'd be the same. Yeah. It would be, consumers would still be willing to pay that price. So there's certain goods though that might be underpriced in the market, and there's so you know maybe a pair of of uh, I don't know a pair of Nikes were selling for $120 last year. They might be $140 now, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the time, and 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 that at the time their co- their input costs were lower, their wage costs were lower. And then over the year, okay, we got to increase wages by four dollars, you know, for our hourly employees. And then we also had an increase in input costs because rubber got more expensive, and so all of that together um, ultimately could add to like a ten percent price increase. But okay, you have yeah. to realize prices are not determined by the companies; prices are determined by the market. So you can't if you outprice yourself, if you overprice your product or your service the market isn't going to buy it. Um, and so as a firm, they have to figure out where that is. And you know, that some, you know, they have to, at the end of the day, if they're not selling stuff, that's, they're not, they're not operating a good business. Okay. So then tying it into like, like fuel and gas and stuff and like things, things that people like need to buy and stuff. So how does like, cause I've been trying to think like, how does gas play in with all this? Because, there's clearly been a huge increase in gas prices, yeah. but I, I mean, person, I, I know that wages have not increased with the same rate that like gas has increased. Oh, and no. gas is of course something that you gas know people has need. Almost forty percent. Yeah. So yeah. so like stuff like that is that just Oil. kind of a, like a geopolitical issue where it's like just you know foreign foreign issues between us and other countries that yeah. needs to be figured out type yeah. of, type of thing. Yeah. Well, and that's. <clears throat> we, that's a little different obviously it is it than, is it's completely different but it's not it's it goes back to the basic economic principles right in that if it's supply it just goes back to the supply and demand model right mm-hmm. if supply is constricted which is not determined by the united states whatsoever it's determined by opec uh mexico russia countries that export oil mm-hmm. at a large scale they control the supply specifically opec opec has a stronghold on the supply of oil so and again oil prices are built on expectations mm-hmm. so if you know prices if opec is saying oh we're going to constrict supply over the year um and demand in the united states is increasing like it is it's i mean you got to oh, think yeah, yeah. jet fuel vehicles buses you know cars mm. buses you name it um all of these things require gasoline and what's i what's happening is as the you know as we're recovering from the pandemic a lot of these things went on the backbone okay well people start returning to work mm-hmm. commuting people start flying again internationally mm-hmm. you know that still hasn't returned to nearly the level it was 
prior to the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. As you know, international travel. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, and I think you know that in large part that's why people are losing their mind over this whole Russia issue. Yeah, um, I guess that can be our segue into Russia if we want to talk about Russia. Yeah, Russia, Ukraine, and like I don't, you know, I didn't, I don't, I. Not that I didn't want to get into it, but um, obviously, like super unfortunate, yeah, stuff going on there. Well, yeah, and there's of course, I mean, to keep it back on track, that's what you're getting at is Rus- Russia's what, like ten percent of our oil or something? Not even. Um, I saw a metric today it was like five hundred and twelve thousand barrels of oil we get from Russia every day, but the United States uses eighteen point one nine million barrels of oil every day. Oh, so it's it's like what, it's the, it's it's, 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 it's chunk, typical but... media making okay. something more than it is. Okay, so it, yeah. it won't it might raise the price like two pennies maybe three pennies. Well, it's it's got it could have broader ramifications in in the in the global marketplace. Oh yeah, for, for oil, yeah, for sure. Because for sure. that means well, there's more demand for OPEC oil, mm-hmm. Mexico oil, Canadian yeah. oil. Yeah. So now these countries have to start or these oh, I you know OPEC's not a country, but um these organizations have to start drilling more oil. Mhm to fill that market because i wanted to say russia drills uh, that might be something you could look up i, I want to say it was something like two million barrels or four million barrels of oil, of oil every day or 14 maybe 14 million does russia produce uh russia consumes Okay, Russia produces 11.2 million barrels per day. Per day. As yeah. of 2016, yeah. so that's a little, little And that's, old, I mean, that's a large, uh, a sizable amount considering. Oh, I mean, yeah. And then, could you look up how much we import yeah. from? from it? <coughs> import from Russia or just import from Russia? Russia? I know we import 11.2. Uh, yeah, 538,000 a day. Yeah. When you really think about it, I mean that is such a small amount when we are importing nineteen point or what did I say? Maybe look that up. Yeah, just so yeah. we can see, so just to show how much we import every day, and just to show how small amount. Uh, yeah, seven million per day. Seven point two three six. Yep, that's oh, a day. Where did I see nineteen? That was probably. Uh... Is that how much we produce? No, imports. Really? Yeah, that's uh, from the U.S. Energy and Energy and Information Administration. Interesting. Well, so. I was misinformed, peeps. That's April twenty twenty. So that actually might be a little lower since that was right when COVID hit. But I don't know. Yeah, that was April. Look, look up how much oil did the United States import in twenty twenty? Okay, so we found this website. Uh, Tristan, why don't you go ahead and give him a scroll down on that oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, show sure. him. So this is all in terms of thousands. Um, and so we can see. There's a 2020 number by, uh, that's by month. Yeah. So, I mean, you can add that up at home if you want, but <clears throat> that's going to be a lot of oil. Basically 18 million barrels a month. Yeah, something like that. So, um, I misspoke. But that's just imported 
oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of oil. Um, regardless, with Russia... So what we haven't done is we're still... We've been instituting all these sanctions on Russia, mm, yeah. um, and they're and oh, you talking about are you talking about right now with the whole Ukraine thing? Yeah, okay, yeah. We've yeah. been instituting a lot of sanctions on Russia, which they've been preparing for for years. They've been they've been keeping large reserves of foreign currencies for a long time. The funny thing is, um, because of how important their oil is in the marketplace, we haven't placed any sanctions on oil. Mm-hmm. So we're still purchasing oil from them what the funny thing is so we put sanctions on the their for, for example the united states put sanctions on all of their assets in the united states so they froze essentially russia can't access any assets they have in the united states whether that be currency mm-hmm. uh, and, and they have a lot of money in our financial system um, but what that means in terms of, from our stri- like strategic standpoint, is like oh, we're saying, oh, the United States is basically saying, oh, you can't get U.S. dollars. Same with Europe, you can't get euros. Mm-hmm, yeah. But when people purchase oil from Russia, they're typically paid in Western dollars, so y- euros or U.S. dollars. So essentially. These assets are frozen in these countries, but they've got, you know, $600 billion in reserves and they're still selling oil and receiving Western dollars for that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I think, do you think it's going to have to come to the point where we're going to have to start sanctioning the oil? Cause I mean, again, or putting sanctions on the oil. Well, that would hurt American consumers a lot. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's I mean, fair. But I mean, again, right? didn't we, we we've looked it up. It's it's still only what like five percent of our oil. It's a smaller percentage, um, but regardless, you got to think of it in terms of like a global, a global, um, you know, from like a macroeconomic perspective. If Russia decides, oh, we're you know, or nations decide to sanction oil, then okay, mm. well. How are we? How does that affect the global marketplace for oil? Yeah, because that's ultimately what it comes down to, and that would be that would be bad, to say the least. Fair, fair. fair. We're still, you know, if if oil, I mean, right now, right, people think that gas is unbelievably expensive, and mm-hmm. if you look at the price of crude. Could you pull that up? Sorry. No. You need to run around. But the price of crude. So, night, was that chart? Is this crude oil? Yeah. So, oh, that was. Go to uh, Finviz. Finviz? Finviz. Type in Finviz. F-I-N-V-I-Z. And then if you scroll down, you can find oil. Crude. Yep. So go ahead and click that chart for me. 
And if you can change the terms to scroll down. Oh, wait, wait, like this? Yeah. You want a month? No, do it as long as you can, maximum. Oh, okay. Yeah, do months. Yeah, it'll be months. So, okay, perfect. So, okay, here we go, boys. So, price of crude oil, as you can see, slowly going up. It's it's slowly gone up over the year, but people think it's so expensive now. Well, look at the price that it was at in was that twenty fourteen? Yeah. What is what is this? Two thousand end of two thousand eight. It looks like. Oh, two thousand eight, and then the crashes. But even like okay, from what is that end of two thousand ten to. What? When does it decline sharply? 2014. So from 2010 to 2014, the price of crude oil was roughly the same as it is now. Um, yeah. And in terms of purchasing power, that was reflected at the pump. Consumers still had to pay... Yeah, so here here's a question: Was was gas prices in in those peaks during what was that two thousand? Those two thousand eight, two thousand fourteen. Yeah, eleven. So yeah, those uh, those points were the prices the same as they were now. Um, it's all in relation to your purchasing power because inflation yeah, still so, exists, right? So it's like yeah, w- yeah, it was two bucks in twenty eleven the same as two bucks now? Yeah, now obviously, obviously different. not. So yeah. yeah. But I mean, at the same time, if two dollars was different then, wouldn't that mean the price now should actually be higher? Yeah, you're right. Not necessarily the price of oil, but the price of the pump. No, that that yes. that that's what I'm saying is. Yeah. If if we're looking at this right now, so it, it's actually like, which means that we're not even at the highest point, and it looks like from from here that we haven't even come close to a lot of the highest points. So what I'm saying is. If it's two bucks, hypothetically, it's obviously not. But two bucks now has the purchasing power of two bucks right now. Two bucks now had the purchasing power back then, and it was obviously a little different. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, shouldn't it be a lot? Shouldn't it be a lot higher? Gas prices. Yeah, ga- yeah, yeah, gas, gas prices. prices, which is why they are. Yeah. Um, so, but it you have to realize, <clears throat> like, it's not just like crude oil. Right, mm-hmm. un, not I shouldn't say completely unrelated to inflation in the United States, but inflation in yeah, the United yeah. States impacts everything. Mm-hmm. My point is, crude oil costs now the same amount that it costs from you know what twenty ten to twenty fourteen ish. Yeah, somewhere in there. So, so with that so- being said, when you were going to the pump, you were still paying. You were paying that same price according to your purchasing power yeah so you are now yeah you might in 2011 to 2014 is that when it was kind of going up and down there basically the price of gas was probably like probably a little over two bucks probably something yeah, like that back I, then I have but no idea. but yeah but of course the purchasing power of that was a lot different than now so you might have been making you know eighty thousand in 2011 2012 but now you're making you know 160 thousand and gas is now you know, three something. So yeah. with that being said, that makes sense. So we got accustomed to very cheap. Yeah. Gasoline. I mean, I mean, we could go into a lot of things though about like prices because I mean, 
every I don't know. We we talked a lot about real estate back in the day, like buying a house and how crazy like houses are getting. But I mean, when we think about it, like, because I remember thinking back in 2012, 2013, obviously I was a lot, I was younger, but I remember thinking like, dang, making like six figures would be insane. Like a hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. And now we think about a hundred thousand dollars and we're like, that better be our base pay yeah. type thing. Well, you know? it depends, you know, depending on where you live too. Right. Like, oh yeah. But I mean, it's getting worse and worse. Like, I mean, a hundred thousand dollars in 2011 in Meridian where we're at, that was a lot of money. Yeah. And now a hundred thousand dollars here is like, you're probably on the streets about, with a hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> not quite, but you, you're definitely not purchasing a very large home or anything. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it kind of goes, it gets back to that whole like real wage, um, the real wages here in the mm-hmm. United States, you know, like people think people keep seeing these pay raises and like, Oh my gosh, I'm making, I just got a $10,000 pay raise or a $15,000 pay raise. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't fall for it. Um, because these firms are increasing prices at record rates mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not even that, and, and and I I would not be the slightest bit surprised if these firms were taking advantage of inflation. Oh yeah, and I, increasing their bottom line margins or their top line margins and. Well, for sure. I mean, and, go and ahead. Then, well, sorry, just to, just to say, like, they're taking advantage of. They're able to price in more profits. Yeah, yeah, and this with is where I meant. Of inflation and COVID. Yeah, this is where I meant like earlier with greedy. I'm I'm not meaning like they're simply just like straight greedy, and you know I'm not I'm not I'm not that kind of a socialist guy, you yeah. know. But <laughs> uh, what I meant is kind of what you're saying is, you know, maybe maybe these like I don't want to say price gouges, but essentially like these increases in prices that are above the increase in wages is. You know, any firm could easily say, you know, hey, um, we're going to increase your guys' wages, you know, 4 or 5% to account for inflation. But the problem is uh, we actually have, they make make up a number, uh, 10% increase in our production costs. So we actually have to increase it, you know, that extra 10% to account for production. And that's another thing. I mean, my dad's company kind of saw that, like, with, with fireworks. Fireworks is a random thing, first of all. Like, you wouldn't see it a lot, but fireworks the problem with why fireworks were so expensive was <clears throat> one shipping because of labor shortages shipping was insanely high but the other thing was you know the expense of making fireworks had gone up a little so the thing that was weird was um my dad notices a price increase every year just so everyone's aware there's always a price increase with fireworks and that's usually the the cost of like trying to get the goods you know made but the problem that he saw was, you know, the expense of producing, which in his case was the shipping, like trying to get it increased a lot. So his prices increased like it was like it was an insane amount, like 30 percent, 40 percent, which is just insane. And so that's where in my head it's like obviously you can't do anything about that. Like, what can you do? Like these firms are like, we can't give you more money because now we're just throwing it away type of thing and we're not making any money now. So that's where I understand that part. But. You know, who's to say that they're not just increasing it to try to get a little more and take advantage of inflation, like you're well, saying? Well, yeah, like, I mean, you're think you have to think of it in terms of even like half percentages. Oh you know? uh, yeah, yeah. If obviously. you can, if you're a company like Apple or Facebook, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, one percent's a Ooh, huge half amount. Percent's or even half percent. Yeah. I mean, you're talking that could have that's you know a couple hundred million in revenue for oh, some yeah, of these companies. Yeah. So, or pro, sorry, profit. Um, I guess my whole point is like, it, there's a there needs to be a, an understanding that there's a separation between, you know, fiscal policy monetary policy mm-hmm. and how that relates to inflation and economics. Like I'm sorry, but the president of the United States has hardly any zero, zero. On uh, almost zero. the economy. Yeah. Yeah. Aside I, from how he decides to tax you. Um, and aside from how he decides to appropriate those tax dollars. Where yeah. He to put those. Yeah. And that, I think that's the whole point of what we've been going over. Like you're saying is like, there's a separation between fiscal and monetary and mm-hmm. i mean really you could even say you could probably make the argument that there's a separation between the economy and politics although they they go hand in hand and they affect each other but really at the end of the day there's there's the economic side and the political side and like you're saying the president really doesn't have much to do with yeah. that i mean economics at a fundamental level is is completely uninfluenced by uh, politics mm-hmm. it's you can't influence you I shouldn't say you can't you, you can there are mechanisms that politicians can use to influence prices influence the marketplace well and then vice versa too you know yeah I mean, big but, firms can influence politics I mean we see that yeah, a lot with but like, in the long run it all it all equals out they all cancel mm-hmm. each other out in terms you know in terms of how much profit companies are making, how they're selling their goods, um, supply chain. There are drastic measures that politicians can make, but ultimately, in the long run, they will equal each other out unless you're in a purely uh, communist government, which has control over all of... All the means of production. And yeah, all, yeah. All, not only all means of production, but yeah, all all business, all media, mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and globalization, like, you know, if you, a lot of these communist nations are relatively isolated mm-hmm. in terms of their own economics. So, yeah. So at the end of the day, don't blame Joe Biden for, uh, your, uh, lamps not getting to you within yeah. a week. <laughs> <laughs> don't blame Joe. I mean, not that Joe's like, the not guy that, is, yeah, the not guy's that. losing his shit, <laughs> but, that's not to say, you know, I don't think it's fair to he's say. He's not pissing on your uh, your lamps. Or yeah, anything. right? Like, he's not, he, he doesn't care about how you're, I mean, sorry, I shouldn't say he doesn't care. He cares. I he would cares, but he's, he's president. not. But yeah, he's, he's yeah. again, his, he has no way of, of changing these things. It comes down to a private privatization. If you want a complete overreach of the government, in which the government controls all factors of production then yeah then it'd be different yeah yeah yeah, maybe dictator joe biden can yeah then joe can you know sign a bill and be like can we get can we get these guys some some lamps a little quicker yeah Yeah. let's get some lamps but (laughs) that's just unfortunately not how the system works Um, and that's really the funniest part about it is it's like the reason you're not getting your lamps so quick is because a low key about because of capitalism because of these private institutions yeah. which and, is and which is funny. Capitalism is great, but it's you oh, have yeah. to realize it's, like yeah, 100%. these firms aren't going to just raise wages overnight. You know, if you want to f- ensure that your uh, lamps are going to get here, 
you better expect to pay another $20 more because they're going to have to raise wages by $5 for their hourly workers. And then beyond that, the, you know, yeah, that'd be another good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be another good topic is, uh, would it be, I, I don't know how long we've been going. We've probably been going a little too long, but, um, that'd be another good topic is, would it be worth it to pay a higher price to, have an increase in wages because that's that's bottom line what it's going to come down to right depends i i kind of don't think so i i mean i think wages should be increased i'm on the side of wages should be increased but i I don't think people are going to get behind the higher prices because i mean okay a good example is so look at let's go back to nike since we're talking about nike let's look at nike like how does nike produce their stuff they you know they use they use super cheap labor yeah, you know yeah. and outside of the United States yeah which yeah, which which is another, that that's a whole other yeah. yeah that's a whole other issue we don't have to get into it but but the point I'm making is you know so many people uh, maybe I'll say specifically on like the left side are so in favor of like oh we need to you know good morals we we need to we need to like you know look into like Nike and all these places who utilize cheap labor and like in my head it's like Okay, well, if you look into that and you're like, okay, listen, Nike, you need to pay laborers the right amount. Nike's going to be like, screw you. We're going to have to up our prices by, you know, yeah. another 20% because you guys want, you know, you guys want, you know, fair labor. And so that's that's my point is I, you know, people are so, they're so like stuck in like, yeah, but I want, I want these cheap goods. Yeah. Even though they're, you know, produced yeah. in a way that's, you know, not the best, so. Anyways, I don't know if you have anything to say on that, but yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, you can like, cheap. It, it's 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 like one of those things, right? Like, if you want cheaper goods, it's a greater of two evils, really. At the end of the day, right? Yeah, right. Like you can't expect, like, if you want, and this is it goes back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Every single thing that you do has an opportunity cost. So you're, you want cheaper, uh, you want, ch- or sorry, you want cheaper goods, cheaper goods. It's going to require these companies to globalize mm-hmm. and find cheaper, the cheapest, good, the cheapest labor, cheap, the cheapest way to manufacture yeah, their yeah. product. Yeah. Yeah. You want, you know, you don't want chi- child or children building your iPhone. I, you're going to you're gonna have to pay 2000, $3,000 mm-hmm. for one. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, these companies do increase their profit margins. You know, they have so much pressure to increase their earnings every single quarter Mm -hmm. to return dividends to shareholders or to go through their share repurchase Mm -hmm. programs. And that's all unavoidable, Mm -hmm. you know, unless you're in a place where companies are not profit maximizing firms and that's Mm -hmm. just not how capitalism works yeah that's just not how capitalism works you know and and unfortunately you know from uh if you're a believer in socialism um that has ultimately led to corruption and greed Mm -hmm. anyway yeah because ultimately these these socialists quote unquote don't have your best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. Socialism might work in like a very basic society where you're hunters and gatherers. Well, yeah, and the, and the other thing is it just leads into, you know, when when the government controls, you know, the means of production and everything, they control all the firms. 
there's no choice in how, you know, how it's going to be produced and how much you're going to get paid. It's like the government's like, no, you're making this for this amount and you're going to sell it for this amount. And it's like, okay, well, what if it actually costs more to make this than what you're, you're telling us? And I think that's the issue with socialism, really. Yeah. And there's a lot of issues with socialism and capitalism, too, but... We can go into that. There's no time, perfect system. Yeah, no perfect system. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm on that boat. I'm on that boat with yeah, you. But uh, I, I just think it's you know, it's just important to keep in mind that uh, if you want to fix inflation, if you want to fix all of uh, you know, if you want to fix inflation, you want to fix our economic system, and you want to fix corporations and their quote unquote greed. It, it's going to come down to consumers and what are consumers mm-hmm. doing. That's what it comes down to. We have power in capitalism and that's and, and democracy, frankly, and that's the beauty of it is we have the ability to say, mm, I'm not going to buy that yeah, yep. because it's too expensive <clears throat> and that's when prices come down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you know, you and I as broke college students might be like, oh, wow, a $40,000 car? Like, really? That's the average... I think the average car this last... The average new car sold this last year was almost $40,000. Yeah, that's uh, that's high for that's college expensive. kids. Yeah. Sounds expensive, but yeah. enough people are paying that. And that's and that's what it comes down to, you know? it's Yeah, that's a, that's another good point, too, is, um, you know, the, the like you've been saying, the great thing about capitalism and really economics is uh consumers set the price right yeah so if, if people are paying it like what can you do you, you can't, know you like, just can't buy that yeah I, I i think the big issue comes in like when there's people who need something that can't afford it because there's so many other people that can't afford it buying it you know what i'm saying and that's where there's a big issue that comes in at least for me yeah, and but that's another topic a lot of too, those so. goods are regulated too you know? yeah yeah that's energy true. Uh, water, a lot of food are, you know, either subsidized <laughs> yeah. or there's price yeah, ceilings set on these companies. Yeah, that's true. To ensure that their consumers can't access them. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well. Good stuff. Don't blame Joe Biden. If you blame Joe Biden for uh, economic <laughs> issues, don't, don't I just ain't. Gonna, we just ain't gonna talk to you. Yeah, well, we'll I, talk to I you. I get actually. it. I get it. I mean, <laughs> Joe's old and annoying and lost his mind. Well, but... you know, I mean, I mean, this is the whole polarity thing. The whole <laughs> the whole political system. When there's a Democrat in office, the Republicans are gonna freak out when price when the price of gas goes up a penny yeah. and. When yeah, there's a, when there's a Republican in office, you know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna start crying when uh when our uh when our the gas price go up uh, another two pennies yeah, so another, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna just, just keep going up two pennies the way so. It goes, so. so all right well i think we'll call it good there we'll probably i don't know what our topic will be next time we do this but we'll probably figure something out okay. but that was a good topic